conference. We had a great first service. And I told the church in the first service, if you see me feisty, it's because I just got back from conference. Amen. And we're excited about what God did. And uh, we're, 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 stirred, we're stirred up. Amen. It was a tremendous conference. And uh, I, I don't want to say uh, the best ever because we, we say that every year. But it was different for sure. We, had, we didn't have our, our international pastors there except for Mexico and Ireland. And uh, thank God they were there. It gave us a little bit of, of flair. But uh, it was just the local churches, the national churches. And, and it was just an, a visitation from God. And so... Um, I'm, I'm going to talk to you this morning from my heart. I've got some verses and stuff, but I really, really want to challenge you this morning. And uh, this, I told the church, first service, this service might be a little different than the first service. I don't know. We're going to see what happens, but um, I'm going to talk to you again from what the Lord stirred in my heart because I want to see a move of God. If you don't know what a move of God is, just stay around for a little while and you'll see. Amen. What's a move of God? Where God comes in and changes us. Right? So maybe you're here this morning for a, a, a wedding, or maybe you're here this morning just because you felt like, hey, if I go check that box off, I'll feel good this week. Or maybe you're, maybe you're trying to figure out who God is. But I want to talk about the fact that we need a breakthrough. We, America needs a breakthrough. Amen? How many need a breakthrough this morning? How many have ever said that? I need a breakthrough in my finances. I need a breakthrough in my marriage. I need a breakthrough in my relationships. I need a breakthrough in this or that. How many have ever said that before? Amen? You just need God to change something. Well, what, what was spoken this week that, that grabbed me so strong was that our pastor said that we need God to break through. That means we need him to come and, and change our routine. One of the things that God did in this conference was we, we, have, we always have plans, right? Now everybody know we had a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service this morning, and that's great. I mean, you know, you've got to be at work at a certain time. You got things you got to go to. You got things you got to do, and we have a routine. We have plans. We have there, there's, that's all good. But I believe that God is going to begin to change some things in our routines. God's going to begin to mess us up a little bit. He's going to begin to come and visit us in a way if we will let Him, and He'll do something supernatural in our lives because we need the supernatural to flow in our lives. And so, as we talk about getting a spiritual breakthrough, I want to look at a verse in Acts chapter four. And I'm just going to focus on this verse for just a few minutes. I'm going to leave it up there, and I, and I'm going to, I want to hit something here. I want us to understand this morning, and, and if you're visiting again, if you're a guest or you're new to the church, understand that we, we want something real here. We're, we're, not just, we're not just existing this morning to say we've got a name on the church. We truly believe that God can change this city. Does anybody in here still believe that God can change Denton, Texas? Or Crumb, Texas, or Sanger, Texas, or Corinth, Texas, or Louisville, or whatever. You know, we have people that come from, we have many people that drive over an hour to get to this church. Matter of fact, we have a, person, a couple, a family in the first service that comes from Oklahoma, and they drive two and a half hours to come to our church service. Amen? That's dedication. Amen? And, and I believe, listen, as I just said, that I believe that that's going to become the norm. I believe there's going to be more people like that because... People right now in this nation are tired of status quo. They're tired of the same thing. They're tired of just going and checking off the box at church. And we're going to be a church as we have been for a long time. I'm not telling you anything new this morning. This isn't, this isn't new stuff. This is just rejuvenating the fire, amen, stirring up the fire. We're going to see a move of God in this place that people are going to drive two and three and four hours to get here because they want to see God move in their lives because God does miracles here. 
because God sets people free here, because God restores marriages here, because God does things in finances here. It's gonna fi- the fire is going to spread, and the word's going to go out, and people are going to come in because of what God's doing in this place, because the people had prayed. Prayer. We started this conference off this year. It was powerful. It was ordained by God. Every conference is great. But God came in and messed things up. He messed up the schedule. He, and, and again, I'm going back to that. The schedule's great. And we need we, workshops and things that, you know, outside of the services, small groups and a lot of things, social media and things how to get better. But God came down and said, listen, I'm, I want to teach you something, and that's what I want to teach you this morning. That if you want to see a move of God, you have to allow God to change your routine. And when they had prayed, and, and we have to understand that prayer is the key. This, this conference started off with a prayer meeting. We would usually go Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, and that, that every day, and start the conference on Monday night. This year we started with the prayer meeting. I told my wife, this, this is going to be good. Because you cannot go wrong when you pray. Has anybody in here ever prayed too much, by the way? I just want to know if anybody in here has ever prayed too much. I don't think so. Can you pray too much? No. But you cannot pray enough. And if we want to see God move in our nation, if we want to see a revival, when we say that word revival, it means, you know what it really means? It means resurrect the dead. There's a person next to you and say, he's talking to you this morning. Amen? Resurrect the dead. There's some dead people in here. You just don't know it. And God wants to resurrect your spirit this morning. He wants to resurrect the dead in Denton, Texas. He wants people to come alive, amen, and, and understand what it means to serve a living God that loves us this morning. And so we, we have to start here in church. We have to start with our workers. We have to start by understanding that it's, it's a privilege to get up on this stage and have a microphone and speak the Word of God. It's a privilege to play those drums, It's a privilege to play the guitar, the keyboard, to sing, to stand at the door and usher, to work with the kids, to be in the sound booth. It's a privilege and honor from God. Amen. And it's serious business. This isn't a game to us. And and, and I was saying in the first service that this is is serious to me because I, I have still to this day never seen what I know God wants me to see. He promised I would see. A move of God, like I just said a few minutes ago, where people are coming from a long ways away because they don't want to just check the box. They want to say, I'm going to go to that place, and I know if I walk in there depressed, I'm going to walk out full of joy. If I walk into that place sick, I know I'm going to walk out healed. If I walk in that place with a problem in my marriage, I'm going to walk out of that place, and my marriage is going to be fixed. How many want to see something like that? And when they prayed, when they prayed, There's a prayer room over here in our church. And I'm still believing. I'm believing for the day. Not planned, but I'm believing for the day that prayer meeting breaks out over there before service. And it's so powerful and so amazing and so strong that we don't even get into the service over here. I'm I'm waiting for the day that at 11 o'clock, when you show up to the 11 o'clock service, there's nobody in here and you hear weeping and crying and people crying out to God over in this prayer room. Or maybe it's so many people that it floods into the sanctuary Prayer is what changes things. Prayer. And when they had prayed, see, we don't pray enough. And here's our problem a lot of times, especially you workers or those of you that want to be workers. And if you're not a worker here, you need to become a worker. 
Let me, let me try that over here. That kind of didn't go over too well over there. Some, see, work is good. How many know you need to become a worker? A laborer. It was talked all week this week about that we're supposed to pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. So say that, say that, laborer. It's hard for us, some of us to say, ain't it? Amen? And it's hard for some of us to do it. Work is good. And we need to pray. We need to contend for revival. And so our workers need to understand that we have a standard of prayer. And our time needs to be based on getting to church on time so that I can prepare my spirit so that I can come out and preach to you. And when I preach to you, you're not going to remember the words that I said. But you're going to remember the spirit of God that you felt. When you leave this place and God's going to transform you, that when someone gets behind a keyboard or guitar or a drums or somebody sings or somebody opens a door, you know that the Spirit of God can be upon you, ushers, when you just open the door? When you just open the door, people can say, whoa, I felt the presence of God right there. I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I'm being real. We need that to happen, and that happens when you have prayed. It says, when they had prayed, the place where they were together, where they were assembled, I mean, we're assembled this morning. What happened? Was shaken. I believe God wants to shake us this morning. You know what that means? It means He wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way you are. He wants to change your philosophy. And He wants to shake you up and, 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 and mess things up. He wants to do things different. He wants to show us something different than just checking the box that I went to church. Oh, I showed up Sunday. Listen to this quote from the conference. It's powerful. Fire is more likely to catch where it will burn. Amen? How many want to be a fire for God? How many want God to set you on fire? And, and, and people will come. How many know that he, I've never seen anybody chase an ice truck? There's nothing exciting about an ice truck riding down the road. But how many know when there's a fire and a fire engine goes by? People want to go see where the fire is. There's something about a fire. God wants to set us this church on fire. God wants to set this church on fire. Amen? He wants to set his people on fire in such a way that that fire's going up out of this place. And people are saying, man, we got to go see what's going on over there. And obviously, don't take that. I mean a good fire. Right? What, what does fire do? It burns stuff. It purges stuff. It gets rid of it. it what, what it does is it leaves the good stuff. It leaves the stuff that's going to last. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand here this morning, but how many, how many could, could inside your spirit could just answer by saying, man, I need some things to be burned out of my life so that the good stuff stays? How many, how many this week that are here in this 11 o'clock service watched the conference? You didn't go, but you watched it. Let me see your hands. So if you didn't watch it, my question is why? You were too busy. Oh, you got quiet here. I've been kind of nice so far, huh? Why didn't you watch it? Are you hungry? Do you want to see a move of God in your life? Or was there a better TV show on? Or were you too busy doing something else? Because God had words for us. There was a lot of investment that went into that. When you, when you, when you come to church here, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this here either. But when you come, how many here? Don't raise your hand. How many here can say honestly in their hearts, when I come to church, I come because I want God to speak to me. Don't raise your hands. I don't want to see it. It's between you and God. How many come and say, God, today I'm going to church not to check off the box, not to say I went, 
Not because I'm a leader and I'm supposed to be there, but because I want God to speak to me. Because I'm hungry for God to change my life. Because I want my family to know Jesus. Because I want my neighbors to know the Lord. Because I want people in my workplace to want the Jesus that I have in my life. How much of us come with an expectation that God would do something in our lives? That's the place that God wants us to get to. And he'll shake us. When he shakes us, it says, in the place they were at, all of the people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Boldness. Meaning I don't speak God's word because someone elbowed me and said, aren't you going to witness to that person? Meaning I, I don't just talk about God here at church to believers. Meaning I go to my workplace and I speak Jesus. When, when I go to a restaurant, I take a track with me and I give them a track and I tell them Jesus loves them and then I tip like a Jesus believer. Quiet in here. Amen? Because what we're going to get to in a second is we're going to see that God wants to do a work that's not about me or about the praise team or about our programs or about the internet or about anything else but you. When the church really catches the vision, the church, you, is the one who makes it happen. Us individually. This, this, is, this didn't say anything there about a pastor or an apostle or a leader. It says, and when they, all of them, had prayed. All together. They were assembled together, and the place was shaken. I, I am believing today, I've been in the ministry 28 years and I am believing that before I die, I am going to see the move of God that I know God wants us to see. I'm believing. And I'm either, I'm either going to see it or I'm going to die miserable trying to see it. And so sometimes when I'm hard on you or I expect things from you or, I, or I'm, I'm not nice to you, I just want to say something I didn't say in the first one just to remind everybody, I am not called to be your friend. There's only, there's only a few people in this place that I'm called to be their true friend. And that's my wife and my daughters and maybe my son-in-law. And maybe my future son-in-law. Amen? Do you get what I'm saying? I'm called to get you to heaven. I'm called to be your coach and pull out of you everything that God has in you. So that you can stand before God and give an account for your life and be thankful that you went to a church where they didn't just do status quo, but they believed for a move of God. They believed for a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. They believed for change and transformation. Does anybody in here still believe in miracles? Does anybody in here still believe we can cast out demons? Maybe there's some demons in here to play in this place this morning need to be cast out. Amen? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you. If they're here, they got to flee because the presence of the Lord is here. We need to contend for a move of God. Contend. Fight for it. Believe for it. Pray for it. Listen to this. We need a fresh display of God's power. That means, again, that when you come, you can expect and believe that if someone, someone in your family or, or yourself or your neighbor or somebody you invite is sick, they need to be able to know if they go to my church, not only are they going to pray for them, but they're going to get healed. They're going to get healed. They're, they're going to leave different. If the marriage is in trouble, come to my church. You're going to hear the truth. A whole bunch of people, one, one of them today, and this week another couple did it, getting marriage licenses. Coming into the church, living together, and finding out the Bible says they need to get married, and they're getting married. 
That's the kind of church we need to be a part of where the truth is preached. And if that's the situation of marriage, if it's something else, whatever it is, the Spirit of God speaks to you and you change because the truth is preached. Let's look at Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. How many give me just a couple more minutes here? Let me see your hands. If you give me a couple more minutes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, 20 more minutes. All right. Joel chapter 2. Look at this. This is first and foremost for me. My call first. My job first. And then it goes to you. Let the priests. That was the Old Testament name. Today it's pastors, bishops, not priests anymore. Who minister to the Lord. Watch this. Watch these key words here. Weep between the porch and the altar. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna just, hit, I'm just gonna hit straight forward. So I'm gonna hit you right between your eyes right here. What is this? What does all this mean? How, how are we gonna see a move of God? He, so the, the, he says, weep between the porch and the altar. And then I'll come back. He goes, spare your people, O Lord. Don't give your heritage to reproach. That the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, who is their God? How many don't want anybody in this city and in this country to question who God is? I want people to know who God is. Our country needs to know again who God is. Amen. But going back to that, it says, weep between the porch and the altar. This is where the rubber meets the road right here. This is where it all comes into play. That means the porch is my house and the altar is the church. And again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of us spend time weeping, praying, contending between the house and the church? Meaning, how many of us pray and seek God and really look for the will of the Lord outside of Sunday morning, outside of Wednesday night, outside of an outreach event? Because God is not looking just for that prayer on a Sunday morning that prayer on a Wednesday night, he's looking for some men and some women in this place that will pray on Saturday night, that will pray on Thursday morning, that will pray on Tuesday afternoon, that will pray in their car, that will pray in their living room, that will pray in their house, that will pray between the porch and the altar. That's where fruit comes from. If you're wondering why there's there fruit in your life, maybe you need to spend some more time between the porch and the altar. More time reading His Word. More time praying. More time seeking His face. We need to believe for God, watch this, to break through from heaven to earth. You know what this means to me, basically? This means that He needs to mess our hair up. When I used to have hair, believe it or not, I used to have hair. I've got pictures. Matter of fact, I had so much hair that people would call me Vanilla Ice. In high school, we went to play basketball against one of our rivals, and the gym was packed, packed. There was no, ways, no place to sit. It was a rival game, and we were playing, and, and I went to the free throw line, and I kid you not, I began to bounce the ball, and the people began to go doom, 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 as I'm dribbling the ball. And right when I went to shoot, they said, ice, ice, baby. They wanted me to miss my free throw. Seriously, I had a lot of hair. And I spent a lot of time putting it up. I got pictures, don't I, baby? Matter of fact, I had it when I met Carla. And I would spend time blow-drying it and lots of hairspray. And one of the th- if you wanted to make me mad, touch my hair. I'm serious, man. And some people in the church at that time, they would mess my hair up. It would make me mad. 
Church, that's what God wants to do with some of us. He wants to mess our hair up. And he might make us a little bit mad, but he wants us to get out of our normal routine. He wants us to see church as a place where I come to be equipped so that I can go out and evangelize this world and make a difference. Because I don't know if you guys believe it or not, but this is a place where you get the word spoken to you in your life and you can actually make a difference in somebody's eternal life. Do you realize that this morning, that you can make a difference in someone's eternal life? We're not just talking about life here. We're talking about eternity. So we need to contend for a breakthrough. I'm going to close with this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. With this. But you shall receive power. When? You know, the world looks for power. People talk about power and money and fame and all those things. God promises us a power. A power. To do what? To change lives. I am addicted this morning to changing lives. I, I, I want, I, I, it's what I live for. I want to see people's lives changed. And so sometimes when I'm hard on you, it's because I see potential in you. Me and David were talking between the services. Because, you know, there's some people that have come into this church through, through being, you know, evangelized by other people or through an outreach or whatever. But I've got some friends in here, Brian as well, people that I've, I have brought into this church through our friendship. And the reason that they're making good disciples and they're still growing and they're still learning is because they know how to be coached. We need to be coached. And I told David, my pastor's always told me, Pastor Jones has always told me, the reason that I'm a good disciple is because I played sports and I'm coachable. During this conference, our pastors, man, they, especially our Pastor Jones, our founder, he was, he was hitting us. He was hitting us left and right. And you know what? Some people were going like this. I could just see it in the spirit. You know what I was doing? Give it to me. Give it to me. Because that kind of preaching is what's kept me for 28 years serving God. Because I need someone to tell me what I, what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Does anybody want that in your life here this morning? Want God to tell you what you need to hear? So when you become a, a, a player and you have a coach, you say, Coach, I need you to tell me when I'm doing good, but I also need you to tell me when, I need, when I'm doing bad. Tell me when I can do better. And so when I'm hard on you sometimes or I expect things from you, it's because I want the best for you. Because I want to see you make it. And because, unfortunately, you're part of me seeing a move of God. Amen. Go ahead and clap. Amen. I, I, God has to use you for me to see what I want to see. So you're who God gave me, and I love it. But I need you to step up. Because God's got a plan for this church. God's got a revival for this church. Everybody knows it. I think, somebody, I think sometimes everybody in our fellowship knows it but us. God's got a plan for this church. There's a reason why we're in this building. There's a reason why we're in this part of town. And God's got a lot of people coming to this church. But the problem is he needs you to get your act together so that you can bring them in. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I didn't get, ooh, 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 ooh. The problem is, God needs you to get your act together so they can come in. See, that was better. They got it over here. Amen. I close with this. Musicians, you can begin to come. Don't shut me off, though. Question. What is a great sign of an authentic revival? How many like authentic things? Does anybody like fresh things?
fresh bread, fresh food. I know some people like leftovers. I'm not a big, if you like it, that's great. I like it hot and fresh. If you like left, there's nothing wrong with it. Someone's got to eat them. I don't like leftovers. I like it fresh. I want a fresh move of God. I want fresh fire from God. I want a fresh touch from God. I want an authentic move of God, meaning nobody gets credit except Jesus. That place over there, I, don't, I forgot what the name of it is, but it's over there on the freeway. I forgot the songs they sang. I forgot what the pastor said, but there was a move of God in that place. I walked in that place, and when I walked out, I felt different. I felt hope. I felt clean. I felt challenged. I felt transformed. That's the kind of move God wants us to see. So we need fresh, fresh display. But here's the problem. The authentic sign of revival, and I said this a little bit earlier. I'm going to hit it right here to close, is when the church becomes the vision. The church, that's you. What does that mean? That means that it's not me, the pastor, that brings the revival. It's not our great youth group. It's not our great media. It's not our great praise team. It's not our great nursery workers and Sunday school teachers. It's you. You get the vision. And you go out as a laborer out of this place and you go witness. And you grab tracks from that table over there and you go and you drop them off when you go to eat and you go to the store and you go to the park and you tell people, Jesus changed my life, he can change yours. And the people begin to build the church. And nobody gets the credit except Jesus. That's what God wants to do in this place. I'm telling you. We have a vision to knock that wall down. Make this sanctuary bigger. Not so we can say the church is bigger, but so, for so more people can come in and get saved. So more, li more lives can be changed. And so we can plant some more churches. That's our vision. Reach, teach, send. But I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say this again. If you want to do something for God, you've got to make sure you're doing it right now. You can't do it later when you go start a church or, or if you want to go start a church. I know there's people called in here this morning to preach the gospel. You've got to start doing it now. You've got to do it at your house. You've got to become the priest of your home. You've got to become the bishop of your house. You've got to become the person that your wife will follow you anywhere in the world. Guys, I'm not talking about just pastors. I'm talking about leaders because you're all called to lead. The Bible says you can't, you can't serve in the church if you can't deal with your own home. One time a few years ago when we were going to send Pastor Dylan over to Tanzania, I met, we were meeting with the board at the church, and we were figuring it out, what we were going to do and everything, and, and, I, and I walked by Carla in the hall, and I said, I'm going to mess with her and play with her, see what she says. I said, I just came out of this meeting, and God, want, and God says he wants us to go to Kenya and start a church. And you know what she did? Okay. She said, okay. It shocked me. Not because I knew she wouldn't go with me, but so quickly how she said it. I actually thought maybe we missed the boat. Maybe we should have gone. Amen. She was super excited about it. But my wife will follow me anywhere in the world. Why? Because I'm trying to I've tried to live a life where I'm followable. And that she can trust me. Ooh, it got quiet in here. Isn't that what we want to be? 
So you can have a call all day long. You say, I'm called to preach, and I'm called to do this, and I'm called to all that. But you've got to do the little things. You've got to pray. Pray, 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 pray. Have a prayer life. You're never going to do anything for God if you don't get a prayer life. That means praying outside of church. And I'm going to give you this as the last word that came out of the conference, and I, and I believe it. COVID is not Satan's victory. COVID is God's opportunity. Amen? God's opportunity. This, this, is, this is something God, has not, God hasn't done it. Because it's, it's a pandemic. I believe that. I, if you know me, I've been saying that for six months. This, there's an agenda behind this, this stupid virus. But we got to stop living in fear. Now I'm not talking to you if you're wearing a mask. That's you. That would do what you want to do. I'm just saying we can't. This is, not, this is not Satan's victory. This is an opportunity from God to see a revival. Do you know that in this church this year, if you don't believe God's hands on this place, did you know that we've had more finances come in this year than all 12 years of our church? We've had miracle finances come in this year. In, in the pandemic, when people losing their jobs, we've had people buying houses. Increase and miracle money. That, what that means is God, it's God's opportunity. And we're doing something with that money. We've got plans to see a move of God and a revival. Look at the person next to you and say, but I need, God needs you. You believe that? What are you doing between the porch and the altar? If we're going to see a breakthrough, we need to let God break through. We need to let God come mess our hair up. Mess up our order of service. Friday morning, we had a visitation that was as good as, as I can remember since the day I got saved. If you're watching online or you're here this morning and you've never, I'm not going to tell my whole testimony, but I'll tell you the night I got saved, I, I came to the altar before the service was even over, before the pastor was even, the evangelist was even done preaching. And I hit that altar because I knew I was called. But I, w I had not let God mess my life up yet. And that night he got a hold of me. And I, again, I'm not going into all the reasons why. And that's, I've said different things. But when I got to that altar, it was nine, after 9 o'clock. And when I got up, it was after midnight. Paralyzed by the presence of God. Friday morning we had a visitation at that conference like I haven't seen in all the years that we've been having. And it doesn't mean we haven't been doing things right. Just God showed up because we, changed, we let him change our plans. And it was like 40 minutes to an hour. The people were just arrested. You know, I've always said arrest their minds. They, were, they couldn't move. It was such a heavy, powerful presence of God. That's what's going to change this city. A demonstration of the power of God. Not great preaching, not amazing music, or great media, and all that stuff we do, we need it, we use it, that's fine. But a move of God, where lives are changed, is what's going to make it happen. How many will be a part of it this morning? Amen? Father, as we pray this morning, we close all across this place, for all those that are watching online, in this very moment, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, in reverence to the Lord, God is speaking to hearts right now. His presence is here. His power is here. His love is here. 
And I'm just going to speak to you real quick, those, are, those that are here and those that are watching online, how many all across this place would be honest with God right now and say, you know what, if I died today, I do not know where I would spend eternity. I didn't ask if you're a member of a church. I didn't ask what you believe. I'm not asking any of that. I'm asking a simple question. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? If you don't know, you can know right now. The Bible says you can be forgiven of everything you've ever done right now if you just put your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead to defeat death, hell, and the grave. There's one thing that's for sure in this place, and there's one thing for sure for you watching online. You're going to die one day. Everyone is, the Bible says it is established unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. Listen to the voice of the Lord. It is established unto man once to die, then comes judgment. Oh, you're trying to scare me now. No, I'm trying to help you. Because judgment will come. But 28 years ago, I said, Jesus, I'm sorry for living the life that I live. I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Forgive me for my sins. And that night he came in and changed my life. 28 years ago, this month. I've never looked back. I've never regretted it. He forgave me. He changed me. And now, when I die, I will stand before Jesus as my Savior instead of my judge. And today, you can be just like me, and you can stand before Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as a merciful and graceful God instead of a judge. But if you deny him this morning, that's who you'll stand for, a judge. And he will judge you by your works. You don't want to go there. So how many in this place this morning, honest hearts, could say, I need Jesus. I need to make that prayer. Would you just lift your hand and put it right back down all across this place? I see your hand. I see your hand. How many more? All over. I know I can't I see your hand. I can't see your hands online, but I believe you're raising your hand right now in your living room, in your car at work. I'm going to wait just a few more moments here because this is, this is why Victory World Outreach is here this morning. This is why we're here. We're here to get people saved. We're here to tell people that there's good news and there's hope for this nation. There's hope for this city. Jesus is the answer. I'm going to wait five more seconds. I, I, listen, as, as we are online and this is being transmitted to TVs, you will watch one day as you stand before God and God will show you. Countless thousands of people have come through this church and listen to the gospel over 12 years. And they will, if they did not accept Jesus Christ, they're not rejecting me or this church. They're rejecting him. They will stand before God and God will show them this service that you sat in today and say, the gospel was presented to you and you rejected me. Don't walk out of this place this morning the same way you came in. Maybe I, I feel in the spirit someone saying right now, man, you don't know what I've done. You don't know me. You don't know the mistakes I've made. Guess what? This Bible's full of people who have made 10 million times greater mistakes than you. And the Bible says, if you'll confess him as Lord and Savior, he is just and faithful to forgive you of all of your sins. So don't let that be a lie from the devil today. 
I'm going to ask one more time. Many hands already went up. If you died today, would you stand before God as a just Savior or would you stand before Him as a judge? You don't have to. You can have Him as the Savior. If you need that prayer this morning, just lift your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? How many more? Maybe you're here. Last call. And you at some point in your life said that prayer. And you believe it today. But today you're not living for God. You're what the Bible calls a, a backslider. And you're in a dangerous place. Let me talk to you for a second. You're in a dangerous place because you know the truth. And you know you need to get right with God. You, you, and you're going to be accountable for the fact that you know Jesus. Because you've tasted him as Hebrews chapter 6 says. You've tasted him and known he's good. But today you're backslidden. You're living in sin. Sin is more important to you than righteousness. You've allowed the devil to coo you and pull you and manipulate you. And today you're in a dangerous place. Maybe a lukewarm place. And the Bible says he'll spit you out of his mouth if you're lukewarm. How many would say, Pastor, you're talking to me. Would you lift your hand and say, I need to come home today. I need to return to Jesus. Just lift your hand. I see your hand. How many more? How many more? I'm going to wait just a moment. Maybe you're online. That's you. We're going to say a prayer. I want everybody to stand. There's a great presence of the Lord here. There's a sweet, reverent spirit of God here. Don't move. Don't talk. Just stay like this. But we're going to, we're going to ask you to do one more thing. We can't see those online. We're embraced. Listen, I never wanted to be on this, but we're embracing the fact that we're online. We're reaching people that we can't reach, that can't come. There might be someone watching today who's thinking about killing themselves. You're hopeless. You're, 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 you might be, right this moment, you might be thinking, don't do it. How many can pray with me right now? I feel like there's someone watching right now. Let's pray against that right now. Father, we pray for this person that is seriously thinking about taking their life. Jesus. I feel it so strong. Church, would you pray with me, please? Bind that spirit of suicide right now. You're watching me right now, live. And you have been contemplating taking your life. Don't do it. It's a lie from the pits of hell. You will not be escaping your problems. You'll be waking up to eternity without God. Don't do it. We bind that spirit of suicide right now in Jesus' name. There's hope. Just call on Jesus. Just cry out to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. I know you love me this morning. Forgive me of my sins. All over this place, say that with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner, and I know I fall short of your glory. I'm not worthy to stand before a holy God, but I believe in your word. I feel your presence, and I call out to you today, and I ask you to forgive me and wash me clean from all of my sins. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Change me today. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big thanks for his presence and his power. Hallelujah.